Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. Sharon and I are honored to be with you today. I'm especially thankful for this opportunity. April 2nd, 2018, I underwent quadruple bypass open heart surgery. And so we praise God that I'm out and still kicking and still able to serve him. And I don't take it for granted. I appreciate the doctors. They, they were wonderful. They did a great job. But God told, showed me, don't take this for granted. Since I've been through this surgery, we've had two graduates of Crossroads Bible College, one 41, the other one 46, both die of massive heart attacks. So God just reminds me, not everybody makes it. It was his grace that got me through, and so I'm thankful in the days I got, I want to honor him and glorify him in everything that I do. So we're delighted to be here with you today, and uh, Pastor Doug, appreciate that op- this opportunity, and we're glad to have David Selvey, as mentioned, he'll be at the table uh, with us. But, um, you know, God has been, been very good, and I want to introduce uh, our family to you quickly. They've, you've heard a little about them already, but Sharon and I, as said, we married 45 years and we praise God, six kids, four biological, two adopted, and we've got four grandkids now, and, and God has just been, been so good to us. And one of our sons, I'll probably talk about him at the end of the service, he's a quadriplegic. He ran into a wall doing basketball practice, broke his neck. His, his, his fourth vertebrae shattered, it severed his spinal cord. And he was left a quadriplegic, still a quadriplegic, but he's married now. We praise God for that. And, uh, and uh, he's taken it in good spirits, and God, is, God is continues to use him. So we, we, are, we are thankful, we are blessed, and God has been very, very good to us. So uh, I'm, I talk a lot about what I call grace relations to the race relations, but I tell people, you need relationships. And I said, for me, when I need relationships, I just go home. <laughs> My, my, my wife is of the light of you, you know, and I got, I got, we have a Latino uh, daughter-in-law, we have a, a, a daughter-in-law of the, of the darker hue, and so I said, I got, look at that dude, I got a daughter-in-law from Canada, I got international, I got multilingual, and I got all kind of colors, so I'm good. I just go home, I'm, 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 I'm fine, amen? amen? Amen. I also like you to know that Crossroads Bible College uh, our mission statement said, we want to glorify God through training Christians to reach a multi-ethnic urban world for Christ. And uh, we're passionate about that, but I, I would have you know that I'm no longer the president. I'm the president emeritus, and, and uh, whatever that means, we haven't figured that out yet, but they have been working me hard. Uh, but, but right now, we are in a pursuit of merger with the College of Biblical Studies. That's a college coming out of Houston, uh, Texas. And, uh, and, and the presidents there as we're going through this merger is going very well. If everything continues as it's going, the merger will take place July 1st. But uh, he was saying that there's no more us and them. We don't say us and them. We got to say we. It's, it's us, you know. We, we, we're coming together. We're one family. I told him, well, I'll do that after Indianapolis beat Houston in the playoffs. 
And so, so, so I got that much in there. Now it's, now it's us and us. So I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Praise the Lord. But, um, and, and God is blessing us in a, in a, in a great way there. Um, we're selling our present building. And it, it wasn't on the market, I think, less than a week. Indiana Black Expo is, is buying it. Uh, there are some hearings for rezoning, but if that goes through, we should be able to go to closing on that, I think, uh, around late March. And then we're looking for relocation and spent all last Friday and Saturday looking at a proposed new location, which happens to be in the pyramids. And, uh, yeah, that's what we said. Ooh, wow. No, no to, be, to be honest, we said our, our students wanted to be on the south side uh, or something. So, so we didn't even want to look at buildings on the north side. And, and, and the last group that went out, they were looking at buildings. We looked at about 40-something buildings. And they, they looked at, they, they went around and looked at buildings. They were tired. And the realtor said, I got one more building. It just came up. I think you ought to take a look at it. And they t I wasn't in that group, but they tell me that they all said, like, we're tired. We want to go home. We're not going on the north side, so just forget it. When they walk in there, everybody was just stunned. The Indianapolis Art Institute had a college that there's closed. And uh, they're basically leaving all kinds of stuff behind. They're leaving computers behind, desks behind, all kinds of stuff. They got Apple computers, big screens, and, and all of that. So they said, you know what? We could teach classes at Crossroads on Thursday and Monday. We could start off in the pyramids. So uh, we're praying about that, that you see what happens there, but, but uh, we'll see what God does. Well, one of the things that's happening in my life right now, I'm giving my, my, emphasis, my emphasis to uh, grace relations, and I like to talk about grace relations rather than race relations because I think the grace of God lays the foundation we need to relate to one another in a biblical way that brings glory to God and advances his kingdom. And so I, I tell grace is God's reconciliation at Christ's expense. And one of the things that, that kind of shapes my whole thinking on this thing is I believe in reconciliation rooted in redemption. That is, rooted in the cross of Christ, reconciliation rooted in redemption, and guided by revelation. That is the word of God. Quite frankly, at my, at my stage in life, I just want to do what God wants me to do. That's all I want to do. And that's why I'm looking for a group of people that just want to do what God wants to do. I tell people my, my purpose in grace relations is to edify believers, to encourage them because many people are discouraged in the climate in which we're living. I want to encourage them. I want to, I want to see relationships built amongst them that manifest the fact that we are Christ's followers. And then I don't want to just have relationships so that we can hug one another and kiss one another and talk about how great it is. But those relationships should lead, in event, lead to evangelization, making disciples from all people group for the glory of God. So that's some of my passion. That's where I'm at. And in, and in this area, I like to talk about us and us and rather than them and us. I, I, I want to I just um, challenge your hearts and, and minds as we get started here because what, 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 God has burdened my heart. I've been speaking on this subject a long time. So I came up with this sermon called Color Me Love. You say, what color are you, Brother Ware? Color Me Love. 
You see, the time has come, as Martin Luther King said, we don't, we don't want to be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. You got to go beneath what I look like on the outside and get down to what I am on the inside. And what I want you to find on the inside is not bitterness and unforgiveness and hate and discrimination and injustice, but I want you to find a heart of love because I've been loved by, redeemed by the blood of Christ. I am a child of God, and I want to live my life for the glory of God. Everybody who's unsaved going to hell, there is no color code of hell. Blacks don't live on the west side of hell or the east side of hell, and whites live on the north side. Hell is an integrated place. See, most of you know heaven is, but I want to tell you hell is also. You know what I mean? So, so what you and I need and, and what, what, God, what God has burdened me about, and this, this year, one of my emphasis is God, search my heart. God, know my heart. God, work in my heart. Make me a more loving person. Make me a person when people remember my name or people meet me and get to know me, they won't remember me by the color of my skin, but by my character. May that character has as its signature love. You know, this is an important issue in the Bible. The um, Jonathan Swift, the satirical author of Gulliver's Travels, he said, we have just enough religion to make us hate, but not enough to make us love one another. My proposition this morning is that love motivates one to serve more for the success and healing of others than selfish, corrupting desires. In other words, I try to tell people and tell myself, if I am secure in the Savior's love, it frees me to selflessly love others. When we become selfish, it is difficult to release ourselves and invest ourselves in other people. And when we become selfish, it's because we're trying to protect ourselves, defend ourselves. But when I'm secure in the Savior's love, when I know who I am in Christ, when I know the price he's paid for me and that he indwells me by the Spirit of God, he's guided me by the Word of God, he's transforming me into the image of the Son of God, that security that I have in him frees me to love other people. I don't have to protect myself because the almighty hand of God is protecting me. And so I'll take risks to, to love other people. I want to mention a few things here before before we get down to this outline for this sermon, but I want you to understand that, that biblically love is a big thing. First of all, Jesus is asked what is the greatest commandment in Matthew 22. I won't take time to go through that. In Matthew chapter 22, and, and, and he said, the greatest commandment is this, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. The second one is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. Jesus said the whole law and prophets can be summed up in this one word, love. That is important. Your whole Bible, Old Testament Bible, he said, can be summed up in one thing. That's love. The entire Bible can be summed up in one thing. That's love because God is love and Christ is the personification of that. So you and I, we are heavy in doctrine. You've got to know doctrine. You've got to get clarity on the character of God and the will of God from the Word of God. But we need to be transformed by the Spirit of God so that we look like the Son of God. And that means we love. He put a priority on that. I also want you to note that the Scripture says the goal of the commandments in 1 Peter 1.5. The goal of the commandments is love out of a pure heart and a good conscience. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is more, it has preeminence over gifts. 
You can have all these gifts, but if you don't have love, you miss the mark. The Bible says, and we'll talk about this a little later, an identifying mark of Christ's disciples, according to John 13, 35, is that we have love for one another. 1 John 4, 16 says that God is love. And with those things in mind, I want to dig in to three points, basically, this morning. And here's my prayer. I know this is Black History Month. I know we got a lot of racial tensions in our land, political tension in our land. And I think the grace of God is the foundation upon which we as Christians should rest to address those. But even deeper than that, I'm thinking about relationships, period. You see, a lot of times when I'm talking about racial strife and, and we think about that, we sometimes forget that people can't get along with one another who looks like them. It's not just the color. There's other things go on. Some people sitting in this morning, you hate your father. You hate your mother. You hate other people you have relationships with, but relationships in themselves don't necessarily solve problems when two people coming together have brokenness in their own lives. Now, I stand before you this morning, and as I speak, I was reminded of this vividly just last week when I got a call from one of the gentlemen that led me to saving faith in Christ. I got saved in 1968. I was a senior in high school. Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated. Robert Kennedy's assassination is coming up. The two white gentlemen of the lighter hue comes to my house on a Monday night and asks me, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? I looked them dead in their eyes and I said, if God is just, I'd go to hell. They said, wow. Have you ever heard you can know to go to heaven? And I said, yes. In fact, when I was in seventh grade, one of those young men that was there at my house that night, I played ball with him, but uh, his father, his father had taught me in Sunday school when I was in about seventh or eighth grade, he had taught me that from 1 John 5, 13 and 14, that these things are written unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life. And he preached in that class, that Sunday school class, he taught, you can know you're going to heaven. If you believe on Christ, you can know you're going to heaven. I walked out of that class with another guy, and he said, and I asked him, I said, what do you believe about what that guy said? He said, what do you mean? I said, that guy said you can know you're going to heaven before you die. He said, I don't know. I said, well, i tell you what. I don't think nobody knows. I said, if those dudes in that class going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. I'm just as good as they are. I go to school with them. I know who they are. And I said, besides, I said, look, here's, here's the deal. I don't know anybody perfect. If we were in, if we were in school and everybody flunked the teacher's test, they're going to throw a curve. <laughs> if the highest grade was 65, they might bump that up to 95. You got 10, you flunked. I said, that's the way it's going to be. God's going to throw a curve because I don't know anybody perfect. So I actually changed my life in seventh grade. Some sins I didn't, I thought, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I stopped doing it. Now, there were a few I had to hold on to, but I knew I'd do pretty good in my curve. When they came to my house that Monday night, I had blown my own curve. That's why I told them, if God is just, I go to hell. They said, 
Have you ever heard that you know you, you're going you, that, that, to go down? Yep, I remember that class when I was in seventh grade. They came in my house that night on a, on, a, on, a, on a Monday night. They came to my house and led me to faith in Christ. Now, I want you to understand something that prepared me for that. I never knew my biological father. He was at a darker hue. Never knew him until he was on his deathbed. The father figure of my life in my elementary school years, he was a darker hue. He and my mom never married. They split when I was in elementary school. When I'm in high school, my mom marries, and I got a stepfather. He's of the light or the of darker hue. I'm a senior in high school. And the father figure for my elementary school years comes up, takes me out fishing, says, what do you think about me and your mom getting back together? Now, I'm 18 years old, and I'm thinking she's married. <laughs> so I said, I don't know, that's between you and my mom. But anyway, I'm out to a senior, senior event, and I come home, r yellow ribbons around my house. I go to go to my house. The police stop me and uh, ask me who I am. I tell them who I am. They say, well, there's been a shooting here tonight. The gentleman that was a father figure in my younger life he and my stepfather got into it. My stepfather took a shotgun shot and killed him. And they were all the same color. I don't have to go far back in my family tree to find sin. And so when I say color me love, I'm talking about characters been transformed by the grace of God. And what I want you to note here in John chapter 13 John chapter 13, we are going to walk through this, this, this few verses here in John chapter 13. In the context, Jesus is being, being uh, betrayed by Judas. But it's also in that context that, that he's having the Last Supper, and so they're eating and, 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 and eating that Last Supper, and, 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 and Jesus washes their feet. And he knew that sitting in that audience was Judas who was going to betray him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm having a meeting and you're sitting out there, and I know you're going to betray, I would do more than wash your feet. That is the humility of Christ. He knows what's going on. And yet he's teaching and, and he comes up with this love theme down here. And um, I want you to see that love, the supreme command, in verse 31 through 35, says, So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify himself and glorify him immediately. Little children. I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, beloved, this is a command. This is the supreme command of the Lord Jesus Christ. He commanded them. One of the things that I'm excited about, and in grace relations, it hits my heart, is simply this. 
Love is a divine command. Christ does not command a change in your ethnicity, nationality, gender, or color of your skin, but he does command all his disciples to love one another. That is an important thing. If you want to be a mature believer, if you want to be that child of God, you need to understand that you've been saved by the grace of God. You are indwelt by the Spirit of God. You are part of the family of God. And the leader of that family is Christ. And Christ says, I command you to love one another. That tells me we can love because the Spirit of God indwells us and will empower us to love because the Word of God commands us to love. That's not an option. That's not a suggestion. You can study your Bible and know your theology and not love. You can have the correct theology. I tell people, Jonah didn't have a theological problem. He had a heart problem. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. In fact, he told God out to preach. If I preach the whole city gets saved. Think he'd be turning flips. Hallelujah. God used me. Look at this. He's mad. And when he started complaining to God, what did he say? I knew it. That's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh when you told me to go. I know what kind of God you are. I figured you'd pull a stunt like this. Preach to these people and got saved. Listen. Do you and I have people, maybe family members, maybe people from a different political party, Maybe people from a different ethnic or economic background. Do we have people that deep down in our hearts, if the truth was known, we don't want them to be saved? I just haven't seen them go to hell. Beloved, God commands us to love people. We're going to love one another, and that's in the body, but we also love those going there. We'll, you and I need to get the heart of the Apostle Paul, for the, like for the Jews. He says, I bear them record that they have a heart for God, but not according to knowledge. He, he could wish himself a curse from God that they might be saved. We ever get broken? Like when, when you hear the breaking news cycles, does it just make you mad, or does it ever make you sad? Does it break your heart? People are going to hell without Christ. And here's the, here's the deal that gets me. As the world goes, so the church goes. We got more world in the church than we have word in the world. We follow their lead. They set the pace. They determine the issues and how we approach them. And I don't hear too many of them talking about love, biblical love. So this is a divine commandment. So I'm examining my heart, and I'm asking God, where's my heart? Where's my heart on these issues? God, search me and know me. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Is bitterness getting in me? Hatred getting in me? Am I hardening my heart? Am my eyes glossing over concerning the, the value of people? People have value because they were created in the image of God. Period. And then when you take that and we've been saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is my brother. This is my sister. This is a divine command. 
to disobey it is sin. But I want you to note also, secondly, the supreme model. Say, so who am I going to look to? The supreme model is Christ himself. The power of Christ's example is not his ethnicity, his nationality, his gender, or his color. It's his character. Christ says to his disciples, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You ought to love one another. A number of things about the love of Christ that gets me is, number one, he loved me first. Christ didn't sit in heaven waiting on us to figure out how to get to him. In obedience to the Father's will, he became one of us that he might die for us, that he might save us. When we're talking about reconciliation, all right, who's going to take the first move? Hey, I'm good. You know my address. Just come on over. Christ could have said that. They could have rolled it in the skies. Hey, I'm up here in heaven, by the way, y'all little sinners down there. Get your act together. Come on up here. Talk to me. I... No. He became one of us. He loved us first. Now, in this whole reconciliation thing, people just get, well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I don't know. I don't know. Well, if I go to them, they won't. You know, we, we, we write people off before we even go. And hey, I'm not claiming I'm some great guy. I had a little lady in church in D.C. She came to my office after attending church for a while. She said, Pastor, I want to talk to you. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I, I think God's burdened me to get back together with my husband. I said, That's fine. Sounds good. What's, what's up? We've been divorced. Yeah. How long? 19 years. Now, about that time, I'm thinking... Come on, honey, give it up. Just calm down now, calm down. She's, no, I really, I, I, I'm writing a letter. Would you read the letter? So I read the letter, and I read it, and I thought, yeah, well, good, you can send it to him. It was a nice letter. But in my heart, I was thinking, no way, baby. Now, Lord, help me to help this woman to move on. She came back, said, I heard from him. I said, yeah, well, what did he say? She said, he said it was a good thought, but kind of late. He's engaged to remarry. The wedding date's set. The honeymoon place is picked. So I said, okay. You tried. You did everything God wanted you to do. I understand. That. That's cool. Let's pray. Let's forget it. The next week, he calls off the wedding. Comes back in town. I remarried them. And I wish I could say I was a great man of faith and I was believing God to tell this woman, God's going to bring you back together, honey. But in my mind, I was saying, honey, you better grow up and let's move on. 
But praise God. Jesus came to us first. You ever know, you think of some people you think can't get saved? You know, Saul was a guy like that. And God saved him and became Paul. I know a guy right now that he said God has called him to witness to some of the hardest people on the earth. The Muslim intellectuals and the imams. He's in northern Nigeria. Seven cars. Never drives the same car two days in a row. Five different cell phone numbers. Weekly threats on his life. One of the members of his team was captured and killed. He was arrested for being an evangelist. He says, I'm not an evangelist. I am an engineer who shares my faith. They took him to court. He said, I knew they wouldn't listen to a Christian lawyer. His daughter's a Christian lawyer. His family lives over there with him. He hired a Muslim lawyer to defend him. He won the case. That Muslim lawyer was killed. But you know what he said? I've seen members of Boca Raton come to Christ. I'm discipling some of them. I've seen imams come to Christ. I'm discipling some of them. That's the power of the gospel. That's the grace of God. You and I don't save people, but we communicate with compassion the Christ who saves. Reconciliation between racial and economic and different ethnic groups, bringing together. We can't make that happen, but Christ can. Christ can change our lives. We can humbly go to people and, and we, can, we can present that, that word to them because Christ is our example. He went first. We're not waiting. We're going. Christ paid the greatest price. His love took him to the cross. Hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, one of the reasons you and I have such problems with building relationships is because they're costly. We have to, we have to be willing to pay that price. But what, what, but what would make me want to pay that price? It's because I know the price that Christ paid for me. I'm captivated by, I'm broken by, I'm caught up in the love of Christ. How could he love me so much? I'm securing him. And he's my model. And, and, and not only did Christ love us first, he took the first move. Not only has he paid the greatest cost, but he loved us to life. This is eternal life. Not that you go to heaven. This is eternal life. That you might know God. A relationship. You see, when, when, when we love like Christ, we want relationship with people. You say, well, brother, well, I, I, didn't, I don't like what you're saying about relationships, but come on, man. Some of these people just downright, I don't like them. I know. Sometimes I don't like myself. But when we love people, we're willing to listen to them. Learn about them. Build that relationship with them. I want to know you. 
I don't want to believe the stereotypes about you. I don't want to, I don't want to believe all this stuff. I want, to, I want to get to know you as a person, and, and I want God to give me the love so that I desire and cherish that relationship. Listen, beloved, you and I have got to learn how to build deep, intimate relationships because we're going to need one another. Now, I know what some of you feel like, hey, I know why I got saved. I mean, God looked down at me and he go, I just can't live without you. I never seen anybody as gifted and as talented and as beautiful as you. And we jive. You my kind of person. Let's go. No, the Bible says God looked down and saw a sinner, a rebellious sinner, somebody who hated him and hated his word and hated his character. I often tell people sometimes, you don't want to go to heaven anyway. You'll be bored in heaven. There won't be any sin there. <laughs> God loved us. He wants relationship with us. We were incompatible. But he saved us and he's transforming us. And that's the model you and I ought to follow. And, 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 and look at this, this, this next point here. Not only do we have that um, supreme command and that supreme model, but um, that supreme mark, the mark, the identification mark. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. By this, by what? Oh, brother, well, we got a sign out that says Harvest Bible Chapel. People know, people know who we are. I bought a nice cross just so they can see. They know who I am. Oh, I'm real progressive. I have a tattoo, man. It's a cross on it. You know, one of the greatest marketing plans ever created came from the mouth of Jesus and is one that the church doesn't use. By this should all men know that you're my disciples and that you have loved one for another. Do you realize, according to the words of Christ, an unbeliever has the right to look at our churches and see that we're always fighting and fussing and splitting and arguing and condemning and all that, and they can say, oh, you're not followers of Christ, according to him. And by the way, our division so often is rooted in our immaturity. You read 1 Corinthians, and they were all divided. Some say you're Paul, some say you're Cephas, some even say you're Jesus. Paul said, you can't get all these divisions. He said, why are you so divided? Because you speak as men. You are carnal. You're immature. You don't know what it means to grow in the love of Christ, and therefore you have all these dysfunctional relationships. I had a guy. Probably about 70 years old. Tears in his eyes. My family went to church. We're in Sunday school learning the Bible. But I never knew love. I've seen 
my mother, throw my brother on the bed. And say, I wish you were never born. I hate you. Had broken relationships in his family. He said, I never knew love until I married my wife. Her mother showed me love. It was preached in his church. It was taught in his church. But it wasn't modeled in his home. Hurt him deeply. Beloved, you and I have the awesome privilege as well as the grave responsibility to cultivate hearts of love and relationships that will shout to people. Right now, Christianity is being talked down by so many people. You're evangelical Christian. You're a bigot. You're homophobic. You're divisive. You're a bunch of injustice people. You, 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 yeah, yeah. They just tearing us by. And we can say, that ain't true. That ain't true. That ain't true. But I tell you what, we'll silence them quicker when they see us. Our compassion. My motto is, we're to show the compassion of Christ to everyone. But we must not compromise the truth of Christ for anyone. We need to live that out and let people see that. And they want to know, how do you get along? How do you do that? Can you explain to me, a young man of the light of hue in north side of Indianapolis, seven, eight years old, shoveling snow with his father, Three, a car stop, three black men get out, rob his father, shoot, kills his father. Those men are apprehended, put in jail. This young man was close to his father. He goes through high school. He's depressed. He's kind of lonely. He gets out. He goes to college. He gets in drugs and alcohol, throwing his life away, and then Christ saves him. He comes back to Indianapolis. He said, God gave me a burden to reach young men like those who killed my father. So he talked to a suburban church about creating a ministry to go into a neighborhood in Indianapolis, impoverished, primarily African-Americans there, and, and they were reaching out and doing it. He said, but then God burdened me to contact these Three men who killed my father, they're in prison. So he writes them all a letter. One of them responds. So he said, I, I went to the prison to meet him. And as I was meeting him, as I met him, I was convinced he'd become a Christian. They continued to talk. And, and so this young man appealed to the prosecutor's office. I won't. This man in prison to be released. And that's 68 minutes news um, story. They got a picture of this man, Tim Street, white fellow, black inmate, embracing as this man is released from prison. 
Now that captures people's attention. How can you do that? It's Christ. I preached in uh, Ohio a message similar to this, and a guy comes up to me, probably about 5'8", about 300 pounds. He waits to the line to shake my hand. He sticks his hand, and I said, Brother, I was a member of the Ku Klux Klan, but God saved me. Let's hug. Now, I did all I could. I couldn't get my arms around him, but I didn't even, I just said, I just hope you don't backslide while we're talking, but you know what I mean? But you and I serve a God who is able to do things in our hearts and cultivate and transform us by the Word of God to create a kind of love in us amongst one another that we unite together to do right together for the glory of God. And the world will look at it and go, I don't get it. I don't get it. We need this love, but, 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 but in Revelations... Chapter 2, um, the letter to the church at Ephesus. Interesting things are said here. It says, to the, to, the, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden uh, lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And... You have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you've left your first love. Now, folks, that's a church I'd want to be part of. Energetic church, doctrinally sound church, looking at immorality, flushing it out, knowing false teachers, enduring, persevering for Christ's sake, but they got one problem. You left your first love. Well, you said, I ain't too bad, though. I mean, they got, they got a lot going for them. Sound like a church I want to be a member of. Well, watch out. Because he says in verse 5, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Now, come on. They're doing all this stuff right. And you're talking about removing their lampstand. That means removing their testimony. You're talking about shutting that church down and the power of God through it. For one reason. What's the one reason? Love. You love your first love. So what do they need to do? He says, remember from whence you've fallen. May I suggest to you, may I suggest to myself, let's go back and just rehearse the goodness of God. From our salvation to many things he's done for us, let's just rehearse the goodness of God. Let's go back into the word of God and remind ourselves who we are in Christ, our true identity as children of God, that we, are, we have been accepted and beloved. Let, let's, let's get back. Let's get back and get into the word of God. We, we, we drifted from it. Let's get back into it. Let's get that. Then, then, then we need to repent. We need to repent. We need to acknowledge, God, this is wrong. My, my, my head may be right. My, my energy may be right, but my heart is wrong. Search me, O God, and know my heart and, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And God, I want to repent. I want to lay that before you. I want to forget it. I want to stop doing it. I want to go in the direction you want me to go. And perhaps what you need to help you get there 
It's somebody to help hold you accountable. Because we need to remember, we need to repent, and we need to redo. We need to do those things that we were doing when the, the Spirit of God was just working in us. We wasn't quenching the Spirit. We were not grieving the Spirit. But we were walking with Him. I don't know where you are today. But I want to encourage you. Some of you may have broken relationships in your marriage, in your immediate family, in your extended family. We're living in a culture that's very polarized and divisive. And maybe you got caught up in all of that. I just want to simply ask you today, where's your heart? Maybe today you need to remember. You need to repent. And you need to redo. So that Christ might be demonstrated through you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the people of God. We thank you for your incredible love for us. It's so wonderful to be loved by you. Father, how we do pray that you might search our hearts. You love us so. You don't want us to be bitter. You don't want us to be jealous, proud. It hurts us and hurts others. You want us to be united across ethnic and economic and educational and gender barriers that the world sets up. God, I thank you for harvest and the spirit that Sharon and I have sensed here, and we pray that you just might grow them, continue to grow them in their love for you, their love for one another, their love for their communities. And God, may this be a church that the community looks at in awe, saying that they must be your disciples because of the way they love one another. In Christ's name I pray, amen.